From your friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel J. Man, him, and this other fool decide that we'll drink up what's left. Welcome back to Unfiltered, everybody. I'm your co-host, Samuel J. I'm going to be joined here in just a minute by Jay Schrader. For this week's episode, we headed down to Grist Brewing Company in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. That's just south of Denver. Uh, we met with Kevin Paquette, who's the head brewer down at Grist, and Nate Wanland, who is the director of sales and marketing. We talked a lot about the next era of Grist Brewing Company and what that looks like. And we covered a lot of other bases too. We hope you'll enjoy the show and you'll continue to tell your friends about us. We really appreciate the support and it's great folks like Nate and Kevin that make this possible and folks like you willing to tune in every week to what Jay and I are putting out there. So thank you for the support. Enjoy the show. Cheers. Here we go. Cheers. All right, unfiltered. Unfiltered. Jay Schrader and I are here at Chris Brewing Company. It's a wonderful Friday afternoon. How are you doing, Jay? I'm well, thank you. We're at the Park Meadows location, not to be confused with Highlands Ranch, um, which is probably the larger production facility. Hold on, I want to ask them about it. Let's get them to introduce themselves. Because no, that was, that's actually a f great first question. Gentlemen, can you introduce yourselves? All right, I'll start. My name is Nate Wanlin. I, uh, I'm the head mascot for Grist, which basically means I've had every job and do every job in, a, in some capacity. So I've been around pretty much since the beginning. I started about six months after the opening. Okay. I was there at the opening. Damn. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, so how long many, time. How many years we, ago? Uh, we celebrated five years in, uh, in um, November. Wow. So just a month ago. And uh, I'm Kevin Paquette. I'm the head brewer at Grist. I've been here for, I don't know, how many months? Three, four? Yeah, long. Long time. It feels like a very long time. A minute, yeah. A minute. We're I've glad been here to have you, while. Kevin. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Appreciate okay. it. Okay, first question then, because I'm, I'm a beer in, and I may forget. What's the difference between the two locations? So the difference well, between... Where are we? Sorry. you gotta, you got to explain, because we assume this is going to be worldwide. People in Egypt are going to be listening to this. So like, Absolutely. We're in Denver, Colorado, Amer United States. Cheers okay. to Egypt. Actually, we're Love in, Egypt. Yeah, yeah. We're in Lone Tree, but anyhow, Big go ahead. Fan. So we have two locations. The uh, the one we're at right now, uh, we like to call the lab. It's our uh, smaller facility, tasting room. I don't know if you can see back there. Uh, pretty small system, just three barrel. This is kind of where we do our one-off little experimental beers. Um, that's the uh, the other brewer, Brendan. He's back there um, working hard. Is it Brendan or Dale? <laughs> okay. I love you, I Dad. Like yeah, love you, Dad. Uh, love you, Dad. <laughs> anyway, so this is our smaller uh, kind of test facility, I guess, is a good way to describe it. Our other location in Highland Ranch is our production facility where we have 20-barrel brew house. Um, basically, anything you're going to get on tap uh, are, is made over at Highland Ranch. And Highland Ranch was the first, obviously, right? So the lab is not the baby it's the or well technically it is the baby right it's the newer of the two um how long have you guys been in this space so we have been in this space it'll be two years in may okay so we the original space is over in highlands ranch that was november 2013 that that opened 
And actually, it's interesting because when that opened, there was only two breweries, Lone Tree Brewing being the first, and then us are, were the only two um, on the 470 corridor at that time. And I have spent a few dollars at Lone Tree Brewing. That's a good place uh, to spend yet, a few dollars. You know what? Their Irish Red is one of my favorites. Um, but having worked in the hood for entirely too long, off and on, um, you guys weren't here at the time, so Lone Tree Brewing got a lot of my money. And actually, that in my first job in the brewing industry was working behind the bar at Lone Tree Brewing Company. You look so, fuzzily familiar. To you me. know, you do too. Um, no, it. Uh, I love those guys over there. Um, like I said, they gave me my first chance in the brewing industry, so a lot of love for Lone Tree Brewing Company. What uh, prompted location number two? So location number two came out of this idea that we had the big production facility. We were doing a lot of really cool, like, on-style beers at the time and wanted to experiment a little bit more. And a lot of our test batches were done on a glorified home brewing system at that time. And so the strategy was, all right, let's open up more of a really nice tap room, like a destination tap room, and then have a smaller experimental system behind it as a showcase that we can do goofy stuff where we're not really worried about the cost of raw materials or whether it even comes out or not to really kind of throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. And somebody somewhere said, hey, the Rio Grande is like empty all the time in Park Meadows, so let's see what we can do. Well, fortunate for us, well, we did a lot of looking. Uh, so our ownership group, this plan took a long time to come to fruition. Yeah, they looked downtown. They looked out in you know, the west part of Denver, the east part of Denver, uh, looking for the right space. And consequently, they came across the owner of the Rio, and they started talking. And the strategy was developed to basically take this side of the Rio, which was at the time like a large banquet facility, and then back behind us is where they had their kitchen and everything like that. Okay. And they weren't utilizing the entire space. They wanted to kind of uh, concentrate their space a little bit and obviously they're gonna make a lot more money leasing to us if we have our own kind of unique concept and we work really well with them it's a good complimentary relationship so they divided it in half uh, and we had our Christmas party at the time that year at the Rio so we got to talk to the uh, employees at the time and they were really excited about it and ended up yeah taking over this side and utilizing the space for a totally different concept I think every time I've been in here for a beer there have been at least two or three Rio employees. I don't want to say on their break necessarily, but they've certainly don't been, out them. They've yeah, I don't know names. Thank goodness. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly have seen plenty of Rio employees enjoying a beer. Maybe they didn't go back to work. I don't know, but uh, maybe they did. Vice versa, you may catch a grist hat or two over there at the Rio. Their guac is Because our tequila sucks over here, oh. and their tequila is wonderful. There you go. That's a good point. Every brewer needs a margarita every once in a while. Absolutely. All right. Um, what's the history of Grist? So started in 2013. Okay. Uh, our original founder um, came up with the idea as a home brewer and pitched that business, um, the business plan to his, I believe it was his bosses at the time, which became the owners. Okay. So they ended up funding it, and the original premise was really around uh, a brewery based in science okay. um, that produced a lot of on-style beers and things like that. And when Can you explain the on-style? Sorry, i got to cut you off. Just, I, oh, yeah, not a problem. In case, you know. Simply put, like it, since our good friend Michael Jackson, the different the beer Michael Jackson, not yeah. the singer Michael Jackson, yeah. 
toured the world and started to categorize beers. Because before him, there wasn't really a good language for all the different styles of beers. Okay. So he launched what is now, to me, one of the more annoying things in the world. But it launched the, the style categories. And at first, they were very base. Okay. Then they became extremely complicated. And so what they, uh, what they are is, um, I think it's what it, the beer, judger, beer judges something. It's like the, there's a, uh, one body that essentially outlines what the style should taste like, all the attributes of that style, and then it's up to the brewer to try and hit those attributes from a taste, color, you know, alcohol level, bitterness level, all those types of things. And is that what brewing... Or I'm sorry, judging at brewing festivals and the GABF specifically, those categories are based on Michael Jackson of the non-thriller fame yeah. categories. He started it. However, the organization the, that has now made it famous, and I have the acronym, it's a B, what, BJCP, is essentially a certification you can get. And those are the judges for the legitimate homebrew and brewing competitions, as well as the Brewers Association has their own style guidelines as well. So when I say on style, it's when a brewer's trying to hit that target. And, but that's not necessarily what all brewers do. I mean, missing the target produces amazing beer, too. Okay. Who, sorry. Um, all right, back to the history. Sorry. So back to the history, our idea was to try and hit the target. And so for our first few years, we were growing like mad because, as you know, Colorado craft beer scene was lit. I've heard it's pretty crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> and it's become very full. It's a wonderful bus to be on, but it's a crowded bus now. It's standing room only. What if we started a podcast just in a town that had shitty breweries? You'd have to go to Nebraska. Just kidding, Nebraska. Oh, do you see my Sorry, hat? Nebraska. Do you see my hat? I'm just, an Iowa just fan. Kidding. Try to get just out of there kidding. as fast as possible. Does Iowa Don't City have a brewery at all? <laughs> I was I was thinking big grow. <laughs> it's a great movie actually. Yeah, sorry. Road trip, road trip. Uh, sorry, continue, Nathan. All right, so we did that and it was really we were growing like a weed and along with all the other breweries that were opening at that time. Well, a lot of people saw that started breweries, rightfully so, because it was a hot industry to get in, and at, over time that arc started to settle in. So we're we have what almost four hundred. It's very close. I, I would say. I, yeah, it's close to 400 breweries in the state at this particular point, we, you know, plus or minus a standard deviation. And another 15 to 20 on slate to open in 2019. Yeah. According to data that I saw, like, Monday of this week. So um, no stop in sight, maybe a slowing down, but... Well, and it's like a pizza that just keeps getting sliced thinner. Because what yeah. we really need to be doing is going out and get more beer drinkers. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it seems like there's the same amount of beer drinkers, and we're just slicing it thinner and thinner. So to that end, that's an initially why we created the idea of the lab. Okay. Uh, was to capture more of the interesting beers that are coming out and explore a little bit more. Okay. So I have one beer real quick, and you can hand the mic over to him if you want. Um, so the Hazy IPA, right, we're kind of, it's a trend. Uh, explain Very to me much. a little bit about, about what goes into this and, and, and why Gris decided to make it. Well, so I was very resilient to, or not resilient, but very uh, opposed to making a hazy IPA um, until the last brewery I was at um, in Montana, Mountains Walking. We just decided we had to make one. Okay. Um, and it turned out great. I hate the way it looks. Yeah. I mean, as a brewer, you want to make the clearest, most perfect looking beer that you can. This is obviously not that. It is that. Are we talking about filtering then? So filtering, finding, just 
you know, just making sure that it's clear. And I, you know, for a long time, people were doing things to beer, to, to IPAs to make them hazy. They were, you know, they, they were putting in flour or they were putting in something else just to make them hazy. Well, I get to Montana. I'm going to give a little plug here for Imperial Yeast in Portland, Oregon. They have a yeast that makes it look like that, and you don't really have to do anything to There's the beer. There's no additional no. crap getting dumped into the None. beer just to make it look cloudy and hazy. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the uh, the trend is here to stay. So I made one in Montana. Everyone loved it. I actually really like it. I hate the way it looks, but I drink it almost every day. And, you know, I wanted to bring that to grist. If you look at kind of the beer scene in Colorado, people are trying it, but especially down here, nobody had really done it. So it was a great opportunity to bring this beer to, you know, South Denver. And I think so far the reception has been good. Um, since I, it's actually the beer that I've brewed the most since I've started at grist. So let's just keep it going. Um, so Nate, Nate uh, Nicholas over at uh, Tivoli, he's in love with their brew, right? Like he's, he's big into that. You're clearly a big fan of, of this hazy IPA. What makes a good hazy IPA? I mean, it's a relatively new trend, as you had mentioned. But when, you, when you're tasting this, but also, you know, other breweries, what makes it good? What are we looking for? So I'm, you know, Nate talked about brewing correct to style. The first time I ever had a hazy IPA was when I was in brew school a long time ago um i go had ahead a, and name drop here where were you at I, I went to the american brewers guild alma mater uh, yeah that's right in middlebury vermont um steve parks is a genius so if he's listening what's hey, up steve steve steve. Uh-huh. steve steve thank you for everything Shout that out. kevin's done <laughs> anyway they that's when hetty topper i'm sure a lot of people Ooh. have heard of hetty topper Okay, that makes sense. You know, it was the first time I had ever heard of it or tried it. And I just remember we acquired a can of Hetty Topper at the brew school. It was very hard to get. And people asked me what I thought about it. And I said, "Eh, it's pretty good. And they're like, oh, hey, you're a Colorado guy. Whatever. Your opinion doesn't matter. I'm like, okay, whatever. So for me, a New England IPA needs to be extremely juicy on the finish. Um, not really bitter at all. I mean, I think this has, what, 10 IBUs or something like that? Um, All late edition hops. Um, But you want to make it hazy without doing anything ridiculous to the beer. For me, it's finding the right yeast that, you know, keeps everything in suspension, but you don't have that yeast flavor. So I think I found the right combination of ingredients, yeast, hops, and this is what I created. So... Well, Sam can attest, I'm not a huge IPA fan, but uh, as this podcast blows up, um, apparently I'm coming on board because this is the third IPA I've had in three interviews, and they've all been different, but I I did steal quite a bit off Sam's first, and it was great. Oh, I appreciate that. And actually, you know, my mom, bringing up my mom right now. uh, What's what's her name? Patty Paquette. Patty Paquette. Name drop episode. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, Patty might be watching right now. She follows Grist on social media, so she might be. Kevin's phone is ringing. I think it's his mom. It might be. Um, anyway, she she tried it, and she liked it. So if I make a beer that my mom likes, then 
I feel, I feel I, that's definitely a win. Does she approve of your career choice? She does. She actually okay. is very okay. supportive. I mean, I used to, I used to work. <laughs> no, no, she does. I, I used to work in law and politics, and then one day I decided to be a brewer. All and these great brewers that we keep meeting that had financial backgrounds, legal backgrounds, basically all of the career choices. Oh no, it was sucked the life out of you. It did. It actually did. I mean, I actually the reason why I'm in Denver is for law. I came here to go to law school, and uh, you know, I did that for a little while. Worked in politics, and now I decided I wanted to do a job that made people happy. Sounds like DU or CU Law should have probably had a brewery science or brewery law focus. DU. DU should have. Uh, go. go Pios. Um, yeah. Go Pios. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Hockey. That's where I went to. His brother and I went to grad school there. Nice. They have a hell of a lacrosse team, too. I'm just going to point that out. And yeah. soccer. And soccer. You are And correct. skiing. <laughs> They're all kind right. of like they a Canadian university. They, they cover all, all the white Middle class to upper class sports. A hundred percent. Not that we're discriminating against any other sport, but all the ones that I'm attracted to. No, no, they're Snow. they're great. Yeah, <laughs> appropriate. Okay, so um, perhaps the difficult part of the conversation. Oh, um, favorite part. Business wise, what's happening? What's happening? What has happened? What are the fu- What's the future of Grist? You start. I'll finish. All right. <laughs> He's my closer. I'm gonna I'm gonna put in about nine innings here, guys. No, you got a you got a closer's closer. beard though. I know. You know, you like, yeah, that the it's Brian Wilson the Brian Wilson beard. In fact, funny story that like yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I don't but he's a Dodger fan. Strength, so he's a Dodger fan, so he remembers not Brian a big Wilson. Fan of Keuchel because of that, yeah. but Good. I digress. Yeah. Um, business wise, yeah, we've had quite the odyssey. So as we were talking about the history before. Um, over the last year, we started to see some issues with our brewing process, um, started to see some decline, one, because of competition, and two, quite honestly, I don't believe our beer was to it was at a level that we could compete in this in- industry yeah. uh, across the board. And so, you know, there's a famous saying, at least I think it's famous, maybe my dad's the only one that says it, but it's you either change the people or you change the people. And so we, cha- we did the latter side of that um, motto and decided to go outside and look for a new head brewer that had a lot of experience, okay. um, had, come, had made bones in the commercial side and had gone to brew school, had done all those things and could compete with what's being kicked out right now. Because to be honest, if you're not above the storm, yeah. you're not, nobody's talking about you. And so that's really the, the reason why we started making the changes and going through a rebranding process. So we changed our logo a little bit, freshened it up, made it a little bit cooler. Behind you guys can see, brought on a marketing team that is designing some really, really cool shit, to, okay. for lack of a better term. That's really cool. Um, it's, really, it's elevating the place. Our beer is elevated now. Our branding is elevated and we're going to keep that. Uh, that's that's our target going forward. Is really to compete in this. Is to say, all right, let's let's bring in the best talent we possibly can. Put mm-hmm. it. Put them all in the same room and start working to make a name for ourselves again in this industry. Because we were, if, full disclosure. I mean, we we're we we're sort of fading into obscurity okay. with all the other breweries that are around. Because there's a lot now. And if how, you ask, how recently were you fading? We were fading over the last year. So the tipping point was um, August and September. Really? Yeah, okay. that was that was really the tipping point for us. That's where we decided to make a change okay. and you know bring in Vaughn. The high point or the boiling over point of Grist, August, September. You and I were 
in Grist. In August, September? No, it Did was not November. Did you feel that heat while you were there? Well, Nate was behind the bar at the other location. That's yeah, kind of my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys threw a damn. little party at the end of the bar, so you guys were... I just got invited to drink free beer. You were down. Yeah, I think I bought Sam a lot Free's of beer. Free's relative. Like somebody paid for it. And I bought there the was mixer, a tab. <laughs> you did buy the mixer that we're not using today. And our, and our website. Yeah, that's $20. I'm never going to hear the end of... Uh, so okay. principalities. Okay. You, what were you going to add to this comment about the future of Grist and what happened? And well, no, I mean, I, I'll i be honest. I had no idea what was going on at Grist. Okay. Um, you know, I like I said, I came from Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, I was up there. I was enjoying it. Um, my wife and I had twins, and we decided we want to move back to Colorado to be closer to family. Mm-hmm. And I just said, we're going to move. No job. Yeah, but I figured I could probably find something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started talking to the owners of Grist and kind of what they were looking for. And, you know, through the industry, I'd kind of heard some things about what was going on in Grist. And so to me, it was an incredible challenge that was in front of me. And then when I showed up, I realized how big of a challenge it was. But I am I, I, at the time, I was stoked to take on the challenge. Um, the owners are awesome. We have people like Nate working here. Yeah. Everybody who works in the tap room are great people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just kind of came in and said, all right, let's we're starting with a clean slate. Right. And I approached it like my experience in Montana, where I helped open the brewery, where we were literally I came. I went up there and the brew house wasn't even built yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I approached this and I working in the industry here I knew what I had to do Mm -hmm. um, to compete with fantastic breweries Mm -hmm. Um, and the people that I had worked with prior at Dry Dock at Lone Tree at Platte Park I, I knew the level that they expected out of me and Hopefully, I'm not disappointing them. I'm trying to, I mean, I want to exceed what they, they expect out of me, and that's, that's where we're going. So it was, you know, rip the Band-Aid off. We're starting an all-new lineup. Um, yeah. It was rough for a little bit because we didn't have that many beers on. But, um, you know, m- myself, Brendan, we've, we've been working really, really hard to just try to get out the best beer that we absolutely can. Um, you know, every, every beer we make, it's not perfect. So we learn from what we did uh, and just try to make it better. Uh, we're going to take a, a sidebar here. We're going to take a sidebar. We're not going to ask Brendan about music, but we're going to ask Brendan about background. What? And Actually, we're going to start with, um, so how would you guys right find this guy? Tell, so, tell us. So here's the thing with Brendan. Um, when I first started... Uh, when, when, I, when I first started here, uh, Chuck, the owner said uh you know do you need an assistant i'm i said no i you know i think i can handle it for a little bit within about a week i'm like no I, we need an assistant right now uh, you backpedaled real fast real quick um i mean i used to work in politics so i'm real good at backpedaling right cover your ass a hundred percent spin and it was great spin so you know we had put out a, a posting looking for people and Chuck said, well, you should talk to this guy, Brendan. And I'm like, all right. So it was the maybe first or second brew that I did on this system. He was the pumpkin porter. So it was the first batch I did over here. And this thing is 
<laughs> interesting. So I thought, you know, not the system you would have chosen. N- no, it's a, que- it's a gl- it's a big homebrew system. So, you know, I had arranged this meeting for Brendan. It was the middle of the afternoon. I said, you know what? I'm going to be done by then. He shows up for the interview and he, uh, I, I mean, I had, I had liquid all the way to the bar. I mean, it was, it was a mess. Sit down, talk to him, kind of said, you know, this is what I need from, you know, when I want to bring somebody in. He had had some experience, but I really wanted to almost teach someone in my ways which maybe that's me being cocky now he was he said i'm totally on board with that immediately he leaves i call chuck i said we're hiring this guy super cool guy he was awesome and then he shows up and he all of a sudden starts giving me good ideas which i'm just like fine we'll do that even though i'm like that is an awesome idea so we we would actually not be. Oh, and we're losing him already. He's got. He's well, he's working. He's actually working. Five minutes. Um, no, but he. Uh, no, Brendan is great. He came from Ten Barrel, um, and I know he wanted to do something a little bit different. And when I kind of told him where we were going with Grist, and you know what was happening here, he completely got on board with it. And no, he's seriously. He. I mean, he's my Robin. So I'm Batman. He's Robin. I, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, Robin needs some new T-shirts because he's repping the wrong brand. But Well, oh, I was going to say, full disclosure, uh, all things aside, 10 Barrel is technically various. <laughs> they're very sound. So when you bring a brewer out of 10 Barrel, they know what they're doing. Oh, so you yeah. you, uh, you hijacked a good, a good asset here, huh? Oh, absolutely. All yeah, right, all I right. Mean, I, I feel like we did. I mean, as, as a Viking at heart, we're about raiding. And so we just raid those who have. Not with a T, but with an A-I-D. A-I-D. Yeah, I like it. Um, I know some Vikings I need to introduce you to, Nate. I, I would like to. Form a little ship. <laughs> okay. And full disclosure, again, yeah. which I've said before, I, one of the things i got to give Kevin credit for is, like, when you build a great team, you hire for things that you're not as good at. So Kevin yeah. is a master of the culinary recipe development. Okay. He makes incredibly good beer. He's also a little wily. A little wily. I can see that, yeah. Whereas for sure. Brendan is the straight you know, He's the structure. He's the scaffolding that keeps this building together. No, what's really funny is you know I'll 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 say we're gonna do this with a beer. He doesn't do it so much anymore because I think he's accepted it. Yeah. But you know how much how much blood orange are we gonna put in the in the IPA? Well, I, I don't, I'll throw out a number. And he's like, are you sure that's right? And I'm like, yeah, no, that's right. And he's like, why is that right? And I'm like, well, because that's just what I do. <laughs> and he's accepted some of these things. Now he always says, mm-hmm. well, maybe we should do it this way. And I, I listen to him. And I'd say mm, 80% of the time, I'm like, yeah, that's you're probably better than – I mean, in my mind, of course, I'm not going to yeah. tell him this. Yeah. but He's not going to hear this. Positive reinforcement should not be allowed in a – Verbal setting, hundred percent agree. Okay, do you want to you want to chime in? Or are you good? Because I got a question for you. All right, let's do this. Distribution. What's going on? All right, so distribution. We distributed. Gosh, it would have been year two. We started out, did cans, um, did kegs, all the rest of it, and really pushed out. Had about four sales reps at one point, and pushed out into the into the market. Over the last year, we're going to start calling this our loadered question. Yeah, over the segment, last year, when the we way. were getting ready to make the change, 
we pulled back out of distribution because the first thing that's going to happen when you get a new brewer in is they're going to make all new recipes. What I've found in the brewing industry is brewers are kind of like musicians. They don't really like playing each other's music. And so when the new brewer comes in, they're going to have their whole new set of recipes. They have their own ways of doing stuff, all that type of thing. And Kevin has quite politely, I think, made it clear that when he came in, Oh yeah. Whatever was on tap at the time or whatever was left over was out. Yeah, I mean they're they brewers are often they're like dogs. They're always peeing on the same hydrant and so he had to pee on his hydrant basically. Gotcha. I like that. <laughs> that's and yeah, I mean that's that's like fact. Um but <laughs> at the end of the day we knew we were gonna have to pull out of distribution. And if we were going through a full rebrand, we we're gonna have to rebrand the cans, we're gonna have to rebrand the packaging, we're gonna have to anything that was out in the market at the time is gonna have a new logo on it. So we pulled back we told all of our partners um, as best we could. I mean, we're still a fairly small uh, organization. And so told them, and we're looking for a re-release probably the end of February, maybe mid-February, put a little pressure on them to get new cans out and, and all that type of stuff. So you're planning on early Q1 2019 initiating new distribution totally. or redistributing again. Yeah, and, and going out mindfully where we're going to start slow again we'll we'll hit the highland ranch lone tree areas yeah. and then start working our way out go to key beer bars because there's a lot changing in the market too the market mm-hmm. as we talked about is really flattened out here in colorado but two there's a big thing happening jan one which is the supermarkets are going to yeah. be able to sell beer yeah and there's a lot of questions as to what that's going to look like my guess is your big brewers are going to jump into the supermarkets because they can do a ton of volume out of mm-hmm. there and the smaller liquor stores are going to have to niche into craft beer. So what our goal is going to be is basically to hit the smaller yeah. liquor stores as they're starting to recognize that they need to be more educated salespeople around beer and wine and all the rest. So of are you, I mean, you kind of have to head that up, right, Nate? I mean, yeah, it, at that point, it'll be a combination of myself and our marketing crew, uh, Gary and Caleb. Uh, so you just drive around town And then all our the good boy Malcolm that is also okay. going to be part of that team as well. I wish he could be here. He's my brother from another mother. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I mean I, I not that, that I I'm I'm guessing I know what Malcolm's like. I can kind of judge, judge character. Yeah. So you're Great just gonna be driving around all the time. Yeah, and, and it separates. So I mean, you have to go out and actually do the front end sales stuff. So you have to taste, you have to talk, you have to show your lineup all and the pricing has to be right. Um, then you have to decide on how much is going to be sold, yeah. deliver it, and then the fun part is collections. It's really fun because yeah, you people get, always pay their bills. You want to get paid. That's yeah. key. Um, where's the money at? So the money when you're small like this is you're always chasing it. Yeah, That's well, one of the big reasons why I think breweries end up going with distributors. It's not just the economies of scale, but you get one check <laughs> as opposed to having your little peons running around trying to knock on a bunch of doors for a you know, couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there. Brendan. How many words in a Twitter post these days? He don't is tweet. Is it 120 or 240? I don't do that shit. Give us 240 or less on you and the love here at Grist. Oh, it, it better be love. Oh, there's, there, no, there's so much love. Is this mic too close? Whenever, whenever I'm singing on stage or something, two hairs go in and boom, you get that connection. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Um, oh, I, I, I love everyone here. There's no one I don't like. It's uh, it's a really great environment. Uh, the first day I came in, I said, "Thank God, oh, thank God." You know, uh, obviously, uh, Kevin uh, actually knows what he's doing. 
you know. There it he, is right there from the ba- the mouths of babes. That's his only resume. It's just one line. I actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, it's in bold letters in yeah. purple on his resume, actually. Yeah. I actually know what I'm doing. We're and in the business does. of communication here one way or another, and I think Sam could agree with me that that's a hell of a resume. That and a headshot. It is. <laughs> For sure. For He's sure. doing the, uh, the blue steel in his headshot. Yeah. <laughs> Movie references abound today. Damn right. Okay. Um, Thank you, Brendan. Going to be completely honest. All right. You guys make a good beer. We'd like to see you distribute more. In terms of, of swapping taps with other breweries, is that something that people are gonna, we're going to see more in the next six months just because of the rule changes and the law changes? Yeah, I think you'll probably see a little bit. I okay. mean, variety is going to be the spice of life as it has been in the past. Um, I think you're going to start seeing that more as breweries collaborate, as especially small breweries start to get together, form consortiums, for sure. form small groups. Uh, you're going to see a lot more breweries underneath one roof, for sure. Who would you want to collaborate with right now? Well, actually, um, that's wonderful you brought that up. Did you did you see that natural segue? Wow. Or, organic. You made eye contact. I actually was I, I was it. gonna yeah. bring that up. Um, so right now we have actually two interesting and awesome collaborations going on um, for Collaboration Fest in March, uh, which is not on my radar. So, not on my radar. So. Oh, I should. 30 seconds on Collaboration Fest. Uh, it is put on by the Colorado Brewers Guild. I think it's March 16th. If that's the Saturday, if someone has a quick calendar, Brendan. Uh, that is the Saturday. I That is a week from the Saturday I returned from the Cayman Islands. I can 100% confirm that that is a Saturday. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm like 99% sure. So we are collabing with Tivoli. Um, we don't know those guys at all. Not at all. Um, awesome I've got a case people of beer up in my there. Trunk from and, and Sam's wearing a Tivoli shirt. I, I, I'm seeing that right now. No, uh, Nate, Steph up there are awesome. So we're going to do a collaboration with them. They're in state. Our out of state is with Nightlife Brewery from Miami, Florida. Um, you're looking nice. at me like, wait, what's happening there? Um, the owner uh, and head brewer there, I went to brew school with, and he was. Here for JBF last year, and I said, dude, we're collabing. Um, uh, we're looking at it right now. March 16th, 16th, 2019 Collaboration Beer Fest, established 2014, located at, uh, we don't know yet. No, oh, it's at the Hyatt downtown. Oh, the Hyatt Denver downtown. Great logo. Sam's going off over here on all their marketing and branding. They've got a great website from what oh, I Oh, it's tell. great. Um, but uh, no, and I, it's I a think fun. It's a fun beer fest because you literally are just making the craziest beers you can. Sounds good to me. Early bird tickets go on sale January first. Um, that's they're not paying us any. They're not paying that's us any money. I understand that. It's too late we're just for you. To get in the guild. No, that's yeah. That's not my point actually. Well, it's you know just, what? You know it's what? Just a little bit of, it's just a little bit of promotion, frankly. My point. Is, my point is maybe all I want is two or four free tickets to Collaboration Beer Fest from the Brewers Guild for the unfiltered podcast i you know what i think that's a great idea and if you guys are there just you know what come find me i'll i'll absolutely come join you guys boom and i'll bring my uh my boys from tivoli and i'll bring juan from miami i want to meet Juan. that was actually the next step that i was going towards here was what do we got to do to get juan on the radio with us absolutely nothing i'll just tell him to be on it (laughs) okay um 
I think we talked about everything, right? Did we get into the brand? Like, what, what, like, did you articulate the brand and kind of what you're thinking? The new brand? Um, yeah, moving forward. So just if, if, if you can see it, it's on her neck piece over there. It's a brand yeah. new logo. Okay. And what's significant about it is, so the B is, a, is symbolic in a lot of ways. I mean, bees go after delicious, sweet liquid. Um, they're hardworking. They work as a group, all the rest of it. They're, you know... I've seen B-movie plenty of yeah. times. I know. I mean, Thank that's, you. That's basically a Thank documentary. You. you got the reference. Yeah. Underneath the, the B, you got two gristmill uh, gears. The top one, B... Where's Jerry's sign for when you need him? <laughs> I mean, the, uh, right here. <laughs> the B... Uh, now, now you got me flustered. No, I lost it. So the top, the big gristmill represents the production brewery over in Highlands Ranch, the small gristmill. Uh, represents the experimental brewery here. Okay. Then the wings have 20 segments. That's for 2,000. And then the hop leaf there, or the hop flower, I should say, has 13 leaves, which is for uh, 2013. Nice. So cool symbolism. It The logo looks amazing. And to be honest, it really elevates the brand. We're, we're trying to bring go to the higher end of the market, and uh, which is a big reason why we've invested heavily in talent why we're investing heavily in our marketing and our branding, um, and quite frankly, why it's a bit of a pressure cooker working here right now because everybody is getting pushed to that next level to produce liquid that is and sell liquid that is uh, not only delicious but warrants that higher level. There's no half-assing it at Grist right now. No, it's a ton of fun, but, I, I mean, it's a, like I said before, there is no business week. It's just every day we're, for the most part, other than – this Thanksgiving this year, Christmas, um, we're open and we're, you know, we're getting after it. So yeah, do what you love and love what you do. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the new marketing on this wall in particular is so good and so classy. I probably shouldn't be drinking in here anymore. <laughs> um, but that's just honest self. These guys have turned away folks since we walked in at 11:45 it might be time to rethink the uh, Friday open hours for the tap room. All right, let's be fair. It's a holiday weekend and so a lot but of times the mall's right there. The mall is right there. Come on, Nate, like this is where people want to be. And I work right down the street on Fridays. I don't do a lot of work. For every day that you turn away a few when you change your posted hours, you have your poor bartender here, Will. Say hi, Will. What's up, Will? Hey, Will. Poor Will is is standing lonesome. By the taps, waiting and yearning. So it, it's a it's six one yearning, half a dozen the other. You can't yearning. win with opening times because they work ninety percent of the time and then ten percent. Yeah, there's a party that shows up. Well, gentlemen, thank you both very very much. Wonderful interview. Um, yeah, best of luck. Looking forward to the kind of next next phase in grist. Thank you, and we you know really appreciate you guys uh, having us on. No, cheers. Make you wanna holla, holla, ho. Don't you know? Chug a look, chug a look.